and Chevy Chase was in the video, and they're doing that thing where they're standing side by side, and then they're going this way, and then they're going this way with it. That's what our junior high ministry was doing up there, and it was quite hysterically funny to me. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll get rolling, all right? Uh, Father in heaven, uh, just thank you again for the weekend, uh, for the time we get to spend in your word, the time we get to spend with your people, God, and the time we get to spend to prepare. Uh, God, just help us to uh, really take the things we've learned and do what we're going to talk about in this lesson, God, is that is to really prepare to take those things and do something with what we've heard. God, that our weekend won't be a waste, but there will be application for what we've learned, uh, that other people will be benefited and blessed for this for years to come, people who weren't here at all. God, uh, help that to be the case. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first of all, my wife told me, she's already mad at me, look, so there's this, uh, there's this like youth ministers TikTok, and they have these meme pages and whatnot, and they always make fun of youth ministers and preachers who get up and talk about how good looking their spouses are, and she made it very clear that if I talked about how good looking she was, then she would walk straight off the stage. So I'm not going to do that, because clearly, I don't need to. So, um, <laughs> all right, so uh, you guys, what, what, what this lesson is designed to do is, you know, most of the weekend as we went down through this, uh, this, this passage in Isaiah chapter 52, and as you think about what the people who read that would have been thinking, they were thinking very specifically uh, about themselves in a lot of ways, right? Uh, you've got this idea that this uh, Savior is going to come over the top of the mountains and how beautiful his feet would be because he was going to bring deliverance to them. And of course, that is a beautiful message. And everybody here has gotten to experience the, the, the beautiful feet of Jesus coming down from heaven to earth to ensure our salvation and to, sure, to ensure that we have the kind of lives that we get to live now. We have gotten to experience that. But as you go on, what you find out is in Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes that very passage of scripture as well, where he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written, and this is where he quotes it, right, in Isaiah 52, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, he's switching it up on us here because initially that prophecy is about Jesus and it's about him coming here to save us. But what you see take place here is, is Paul says, listen, he's been here, done that really is what he's saying, right? He's like, those beautiful feet came down from heaven. They came here, they lived a perfect life and they were, they were pierced. Those beautiful feet were pierced for our sins. Jesus died for our sins, but he rose again. And so he kind of flips and he says, listen, those beautiful feet aren't the ones we're talking about here. He's basically saying that mantle, that, that mission, that purpose has now been handed down from Jesus' beautiful feet to your beautiful feet. feet. And what makes feet beautiful is, is not the feet, feet themselves. I know some of you out there today are those weirdo feet people, right? I get it, Jalen. Um, you know... <clears throat> I could tell you some of the questions that Jalen's asked me about feet, but we're not even going to get into that whole mess. But there are people out there who think feet are beautiful. I think you're weirdos, all right? To me, feet are beautiful because of what they carry, right? Feet are beautiful because of what, of what they bring, what they carry in. You know, whenever I saw Hannah coming across campus that first time at SIUE, I wasn't, I wasn't like, man, look at those dogs, right? Like, that's not what, that's not what was going on. I was, and, and then once I saw her feet, I definitely knew that was not what I was focused on. But 
what those feet were carrying now, that was a whole different deal, right? And, and, and what made those feet so beautiful to me was the package that came along with them, the whole beautiful package that came along with those beautiful feet. And I think the thing that we have got to come to realize is that there is not intrinsic value in anybody's feet in here, but what you carry really, really does matter. And realizing that Jesus did come here to die, and it was a beautiful message. He brought us a beautiful news. We have reason to praise him. We have reason to worship him. We have experienced the blessing of that sacrifice. And now he's saying, listen, how can anyone call on the one that they haven't believed in? And if they haven't ever, they can't, they can't believe in him if they've never even heard of him. And they're not going to hear about him unless someone goes and tells them. And then he says, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And then he says, this is me sending you. And Jesus said in Matthew 28, which we're going to get into later, he says, this is me sending you, right? It's one of those things to where he says, listen, the world is lost and they need someone with beautiful feet to come tell them the most beautiful news that has ever been told. And he says, They're not, it's not going to happen magically, it's not going to happen magically. You're not going to be such a good person that your life is going to illuminate the world and people are just going to flock to Jesus Christ. If Jesus came here and lived a perfect life and that's not the way that it worked for him, your feet aren't beautiful enough to make it happen either, right? And so he says, you are going to have to, you're going to have to take those beautiful feet and you are going to have to go. You are going to have to go to those people, and you are going to have to make sure that that message is carried to them. And in order for that to happen, there are some things that we need to make sure that are going on in our lives. And I'm going to let Hannah take that. Um, nope. All right. Uh, beautiful feet have encountered the beautiful gospel. Um, if you weren't here yesterday um, and you didn't get to hear the lesson about, you know, about the gospel and, um, and what it should do in our lives, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen. For those of us that were here, I was incredibly challenged by the fact that <clears throat> my relationship with God and me encountering what the gospel is and what it truly means should completely transform my life. And in order for me to be able to give that to somebody else, I have to be experiencing that in my life. We worked in campus ministry for, I think, like almost 25 years now, and it's it, it's funny how it can be like a main focal point that we can skip over is that we cannot give somebody something that we are not experiencing in our own lives. You know, you wouldn't go show up at a gym and ask somebody to train you who's never trained and doesn't experience, you know, the, the benefits and the, and the transformation. You wouldn't um, go to a school and ask someone to teach you a, a very, very important trade of someone who's like, I failed at this miserably and I don't even really try at it at all. You know, but for some reason, our relationship with God, we can think that we can give something to somebody else when we haven't been transformed by it ourselves. Ephesians 3, 7 says, God treated me with kindness. His power worked in me, and it became my job to spread the good news. So therefore, once I've experienced this transformation in my life, it's, it's not just about me anymore. It is my job. It is my passion, my identity to take that and to give it to other people. Um, he didn't know I was going to tell the story, but about it, a lot of you guys know about two months ago, I get a phone call. I'm... I'm finishing up coaching at the gym. I get a phone call from Carrie. Hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, hey, I need you to pick me up. I'm on the side of the road. I got in a motorcycle accident. And my shoulder, it's not where it's supposed to be anymore. 
And I was like, that's cool. You should call 911. <laughs> that's another story for another day. But I was like, all right, I'm going to come and get you. So I get in my car, and I think Ryan and Chris like jump in theirs, and they follow me, and I go pick him up, and I rush him to the hospital, and it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a it wasn't a great experience. You know, we come in, we have to wait in the waiting room. The guy in front of us is like, I cut my finger and I want you to wash it and rebandage it. And I'm like, we're not all in one piece right now. We really need to get in there. And he's just sitting there like shaking. And if you have been around Carrie for more than five minutes, you know him sitting there not saying anything and just sweating bullets. I was terrified. I was like, there's something very, very wrong. You know, whatever. So we're there. Hospital's a mess. There's like leaking coming from the ceiling from an overflowing shower. Like the nurses are way over overbooked. So we get in there and it's me and Kennedy and we're sitting there and he's just like, again, shaking in pain. Because they're so overstaffed, it's taking hours to even get basic medication, like pain medication. He's like, I think my ankle might be broken. I think my wrist might be broken. And his shoulder's just like this. And so he's just shaking. And then the next thing we know, a male nurse comes in and Carrie starts striking up a conversation with him. And the next thing I know, he's like, let me tell you about my church. You should come. This is where we meet. And we're like, everything else out of this man's mouth is completely like either incoherent or he's just like shaking, sweating in pain. And I literally look over at Kennedy, I'm like, does he stop? <laughs> like, it's okay, man, take five minutes off. Like. You know, you don't, don't be mean to them, but like, you don't have to do this right now. And it was really incredibly challenging to me because I know it's Carrie's job as a campus minister. I get that. But when, when he says, no, this is my job, like he means that whether he's on the clock or not. There's very rarely been a place that I've went where he has not went in with the intention and the purpose of giving something. L listen to what good's happened in my life. I want to give that to you. And um, then the funny thing was it was about, like I said, there was about a month where he just like not himself, stayed in bed, like whatever. We're, we're driving down the road the other day. He goes, you need to take me back to the hospital. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I got to find that nurse. I got to tell him about, he really seemed interested, Hannah, in coming to church. I was like, yeah, he just wanted you to be quiet. <laughs> like, he, he was a nice guy, but I was like, but there was something that was deeply challenged inside of me because I know for probably some of you guys, you're like, yeah, that's, this is my job and this is what I do and everywhere I go. But I know there's probably a lot of you that are like me where that is not something that comes incredibly easy that I grew up a good girl, and I wanted to stay a good girl, and I was happy for the things that God had given me, but I deeply, deeply struggled with a love and a passion for people that I wanted to give them something different. Now, thankfully, because of a lot of the people that I've been around, and for a church that holds me accountable, and for also me getting to see people's lives be changed by the good news, that has drastically changed in my own life, to the point now where I do feel like this is my, this is my, my passion. This is my identity. Like when I go to the gym, I'm not just going there for this, but these are the, the for the people that are there. When I go to check out at, you know, little Menino's Flint Hill, like I'm there to build relationships with the cashiers there. But I will honestly and truly say that that is not something that comes incredibly easy for me. It requires a lot of prayer. It requires a lot of reminding. It requires me looking at this and saying, you know, once I receive the good news, it is now my responsibility to give it to others. That I do not get to live in a place of complacency and just be like, thank you. Thank you for the good little family that you've given me. Thank you for rescuing me from this. And now I just get to stay in my little cocoon, in my bubble. Because to be honest, that's what most 
most places will, will offer you. It's a club that you can just go and show up and be like, blessed, thank you, God is good. But it doesn't transform not only our lives, but us giving that transformation to someone else. And uh, if you look on in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, and then also in Colossians uh, 1, verse 29, Paul says these things. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, whom am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And he's saying, look, look, look at who I was. He's like, I, I was so screwed up, I never deserved to have these things. You know, and, and some of you might identify with Hannah. She was a good girl. Like, she was a good kid. She didn't do a lot of bad stuff. But she also didn't have a passion and fire for God. Others of you might look more like Paul to where you're like, no, I was like bottom of the barrel. God, God was scraping the bottom of the barrel with me. And I cannot believe that he, he's letting me do this. But then if you notice Paul's attitude, he says, but because of that grace, I wasn't going to let it go to waste. I wasn't going to let it be in vain. And he says, I worked more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. And I think... All of us need to take some time and really have some self-examination to ask ourselves, man, have I really, have, have I really encountered the beautiful gospel? And if so, why do my feet not look more beautiful to the people around me as I'm carrying the gospel to them? Because Paul made it very clear, I get it. I get it. I was saved for a purpose. I'm not going to let this go to waste. And some of you, you have been fortunate enough to encounter the gospel of Jesus, and you've been fortunate enough to be pulled out of that and plucked out of that horrific scene that you were involved in, and you're happy right where you are, but you're letting it go to waste, and it is in vain because you're sitting here with all of this hurt and all this experience that you lived through, and you're doing very little to nothing with it to make sure that other people are getting to experience the goodness of God and the beauty of the good news of the word of God. In 2 Corinthians uh, 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who should live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. And you know, you look at that passage, and, it, I, and I'm like, man, he says, listen, what pushes me? What drives me? What compels me? And he says, it was the love of God and what he's done in my life, it should it should push me, it should force me to have that same love for other people. You know, I, I've said this many times at different conferences with people. You know, people want to always say things like, well, I'm afraid to evangelize. I'm afraid to share my faith. And really what we need to start doing is we need to start calling it what it is. And we need to stop saying we're afraid of it. And we need to start saying, you know what? I don't love people enough to push past my fear to do what God has already asked me to do. You see, you don't have a fear problem, you got a love problem, because when you really love people, it, it pushes you beyond where, where you're comfortable, right? What does the Bible say perfect love does? Drives out fear. So can we all agree that excuse needs to go away, right? That excuse needs to go away. And what we need to understand is that Christ's love should compel us and push us. So you guys know I'm a big, I'm a big time Chiefs fan. And uh, I was going down through on ESPN looking at 30 for 30. Jeez, how about those? I heard somebody say that. Uh, you know, but I was going down through the 30 for 30s on ESPN. And I come across this dude named Joe Delaney. And I'm like, that dude's wearing a Chiefs jersey. I'm watching this. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I start watching this documentary about this kid named Joe Delaney. He had 
just finished his second year up with the Chiefs, and they were talking about how his, his uh, rookie year was a breakout year that nobody expected. He was growing in fame. He, and, uh, and, and then they start talking about him as a family man. He went to college and had a baby uh, whenever he was in college, married this girl. They had more kids. And everybody was talking about, man, he just loved everybody, and everybody loved Joe so much and how incredible of a man he had become and how cool it was that if anybody ever deserved to have a breakout year like he had, it was Joe Delaney because of how well he loved people. He went home to Louisiana after his sophomore year playing for the Chiefs, and as he was sitting there, he sat out in this, in this big lawn chair, and he was watching this fair in their hometown, and he was looking at this pond, and these three boys from his town had started to try to race across this pond. And as they got across the pond, they got about halfway across, and they realized they weren't going to make it. And so they started screaming, and they were like begging for help. And they said that Joe Delaney, without a second thought, knowing he didn't know how to swim himself, popped up out of that chair and took off into that water. And he saved one of those boys. And the other two with Joe drowned. And his wife, when they interviewed him about it, her about it, she said, she said what else would he have done? She said, man... Joe, I guarantee you, Joe was sitting there thinking, what if that was one of my babies in that water? And what if somebody was there and they didn't even try? She said, Joe didn't have a choice because that's who Joe was. Because Joe loved like that. Beautiful feet have been intrinsically changed by the gospel. They have, they have been, they've encountered the gospel and it's changed who they are and it becomes the motivating factor for making sure that other people get to experience the same thing we get to experience. And we need to ensure and we need to ask ourselves some really tough questions about whether or not we've encountered the gospel in a way that has changed our hearts and our lives in a way that make us see the world for what it is and that it pushes us and compels us to make sure they see the beautiful feet of Jesus. In Romans 1, 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Um, I think probably one of the biggest things that, that I struggle with that holds me back is this belief that it is me in and of myself. And one thing that doing this for as many years as I have done is I have learned that it is not me. It is the power of God. If you look at your own story, it is no, for a lot of us, we're like, I got here, but I shouldn't have been here. It was the power of God. It was when we look at that, the gospel that transformed me, God intervened. God put somebody in my life, and he worked through them. And so I know, like I said, if you're me, and like even right now, as when we and Carrie were preparing this, I was crying because I was like, I just, there are people that I love and I care for, and I'm trying to do everything I can, but there are a lot of times that I even try to take God out of that equation. I try to make it about me and what I'm doing. And not that, on the one hand, it's got to be there. You know, it's got to be, I do have to look and be like, what is it about me maybe? But then there are all those other times where I need to be on my knees in prayer. I need to be begging God, um, not only for the opportunities and situations, but for him to work mightily and have the faith that, that God is going to bring this beautiful gospel through me. Okay, so first and foremost, like we said, um, beautiful feet have encountered the beautiful gospel. The second thing is beautiful feet are prepared. They are, they are ready to do what has been asked of them. Uh, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
You know, one of the things that I was sitting out here talking earlier with some people about our church, and I was talking about how incredible it is to have such a young church, how incredible it is to have a church full of so many people who are unchurched, but that also brings about a whole different set of difficulties because oftentimes, you guys as a church, you understand this, we can be very, very unprepared biblically speaking. Uh, we, we can be very biblically shallow. And I wondered sometimes, man, what are we doing to combat that? What are you doing individually to make sure that you are prepared? You're prepared so when that moment does come and you have the opportunity to, to carry that beautiful gospel to someone, what are you doing to make sure that you're ready? And you look at the passage like this, says you need to be always prepared to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have. You know, if that is a basic tenet of what a disciple should be able to do. Um, you shouldn't have to run, now I get it, we have some baby Christians in here, you're still learning, but for a lot of you out there, you should not have to run to one of your small group leaders or to one of the leaders in the church and say, how do I share, how do I share the gospel with someone? We, you know, you should be digging and you should be learning how to find the answers and how to be ready to give those answers to people as they come up. Second Timothy 2.15, Paul says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You know, the, the word of God is a powerful thing and it can be misused. And you need to make sure that you have a grasp on the word of God that allows you to correctly handle it, that allows you to use the right passages at the right time in the right context. Those things that allow you to be able to take the power of God and say, this is how this applies in your life and to sit down with the people you love and the people you are in class with and your, and your, your workmates and your friends and your family and be able to say, this is what the word of God says about this. And when they hit situations and you see an opportunity and that door opens, are you going to be ready for that? Or are you going to be standing there going, I don't really know what to do with this moment. And so it passes. And then another moment passes. And then another moment passes. At some time, aren't we going to get fed up enough with not knowing and not having the right answers and not having a grasp on God's word well enough to take advantage of those moments? Are we going to continue to allow those moments to, to be fleeting things that just pass by and we're, and we're disappointed in ourselves and we're like, I've got to do better. And then the next time it comes around, I need to have more quiet times. The next time it comes around, why aren't I doing, come on. You guys, to be quite honest, we don't really have that much of a reason to be a shallow church anymore. We've been here almost 20 years. It's time for us to make sure that our beautiful feet are equipped to do, to do the job that God designed us to do. We need to be prepared for every situation. Beautiful feet are prepared. All right. Uh, next, beautiful feet present the gospel beautifully. Um, you know, this, the second part after he says that, you know, always be prepared to give um, an answer to everyone who asked uh, the reason for the hope that you have. He says, but then do this in gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously about your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer uh, for doing good than for doing evil. Um, I know if you're probably like me and you um, uh, get really sick and tired of like getting on social media or something and seeing the way that Christians talk to other people. You know, I, it, it never blows my mind, never fails to blow my mind when I am looking and somebody, you know, even if they're, they're being belligerent or they're having a problem, to see someone who claims to be presenting the gospel in the most ugly way possible. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, if you had half a brain, you would know this or whatever. And, you know, that can be one, one aspect of it. It can be one side. 
pride? You know, maybe the way you present things to people. Are, you, are, are we arrogant? Are we condescending? Do we say things in a way that is full of grace and, and respect? Can I look at my own self and have a clear conscience that when I'm speaking the truth to you, that I'm also attempting to live that out in my own life? I know that's something that, I, that even with myself I struggle with, you know? Um, that is incredibly important that when we present something, you know, it's like, you know, the old adage, you're always going to catch more flies with honey than you are with vinegar. Um, but for some reason, um, especially if we feel like we're being attacked, um, again, like I said, working with college kids, there's a lot of family involvement during that age, you know. One, it's just natural. Everybody's, you know, attempting that natural struggle of becoming an adult and wanting their own, you know, to be seen as adult and go out on their own. But especially you throw in the mix, like, a completely different way of life, especially if it's very contrary to, you know, maybe what they've been raised or if it goes against what, you know, the church or whatever. One of the biggest things that I see that I'm like, please don't do this, is to go about it in a very angry way, you know, and to be very um, stubborn and oh, don't fly attack me. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's just so very important in the way that we present ourselves um, as, as kind and gracious. Um, and, but also, again, on the other hand, beautiful feet don't just carry the gospel with their mouths, but with their lives. We can also go the other extreme, right, where we're, showing, we're trying so hard to present something, to present God or church, that we are not living, we're not, we're trying to, you know, water it down, or we're trying to make it look like, you know, it's the same as, as, as everything else. And, and that's not fair either. Uh, you know, we always say we're, we're not a switch and bait. <laughs> uh, bait and switch, sorry. Um, kind of church because I want you to know that like what you see is, is also what you're going to get. And for 1 Timothy 4.16, we talk about this all the time. It says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Well, on the first, the first hand is, again, like we said, you can't give somebody something you don't have. You yourself need to make sure that you are right. And I think a lot of times we are not very clearly reflecting on ourselves. We see people who hold us accountable as enemies. We see people who are like, hey, look at the way you're living your life. And we're like, don't, don't get in my business or you're not my friend or whatever. And you say it's crazy, but like I have that conversation with like 25, 30-year-olds. Um, it's very important. But one thing I can say as I get older is the way that we live our lives that, that people in the world are watching. You know, I particularly have a friend right now that I have been loving and reaching out to for a long time, and it's like, oh my gosh, I will say this, college kids, enjoy what you got right now, because my son made a friend two weeks ago, and he spent the night at our house like five times since then, and they're best friends. When you're in your 40s, it ain't like that. It's a lot harder. You have to work way harder to build relationships. So college kids, like one, Take that opportunity. Realize that you guys are in a place right now where your life looking completely different is something that can be so beautiful to the world and you can show them something that they'll attach to very quickly. But um, like I said, with her, one of the things that she says the most that keeps bringing her back to, I need to get to God, is when I see the people from church going through really hard times and you still choose joy, or you're not completely overwhelmed and anxious all the time. And we, we're very vulnerable and open. Like all of us that are having a relationship with her, we're like, we do struggle with feeling that way. We do have our moments of this. But the reason why we're able to not live in this place of despair and anxiety and depression, and one thing I will say is, 
It's not just you guys right now. Get a handle on it now while you're in your younger years because my age group, my demographic, mid-40s, it is depressing to see how many of the women my age are just anxiety, 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 depression, you know, like marriage is awful and all these things. But the thing that will, will truly show the world something different is us living our lives in a way that is, is attractive, is beautiful. You know, one thing I tell people all the time is like, um, one of my favorite TikTok sounds is the one where like, why would I listen to you? And a lot of times like, College kids or high school kids will put it to the background of my parents with an awful divorce or my mom who's been divorced three times telling me how to date. And, you know, and like, we do look at that. You know, I want you to ask yourself, I want to ask myself, if I come to someone and say, you should come to church, you, I have the answer for you. Is there a question going to be to me like, why would I listen to you? Or is it something where we're like, I have something to give you and they're like, I want to hear more about it because I see I see how God works in your life. I see how different things are. I see how that community of people in that church, when I'm with them, I do feel different. I feel hope. I feel joy. I feel peace. You know, so they, it's not just the actual gospel that we do need to be uh, honestly upfront and speak more of, but also it just has to be reflected in our lives. You know, I think like uh, if you've ever been sitting around asking the question, why am I not more effective at reaching people for Christ? I think you really need to examine that point and ask yourself, first of all, am I really presenting it, right? Am I telling them these things? And then ask yourself, what are they hearing come out of my mouth? Are they, is it things that attract them to Jesus or things that push them away? And, and when we talk about life, I think a lot of times people are like, well, I'm not going out and getting hammered. I'm not going out and having sex with everybody. I'm not, you know, getting high. I'm not X, Y, Z. But sometimes you don't realize your attitude just sucks. And people don't want to have anything to do with Jesus or you because they're around your attitude. And you don't need to say too much. You don't need to, you don't need to go out and do something awful. They're just looking at your attitude and they're like, nope, I'm good on that. I'll, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you. And so, like, again, beautiful feet are the kind of feet that have encountered the beautiful gospel. Beautiful feet are prepared. Beautiful feet present the gospel beautifully in a way that people are drawn to Jesus. And then finally, beautiful feet go. What made those feet so beautiful is the fact that they were coming towards them. That's what made it, made it exciting. That's what made it so good is that they were on the move to do something good. And, you know, beautiful, sitting here on a Sunday morning, sitting at a church on Sunday morning, a bunch of feet sitting there is not a pretty picture. The, 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 where those feet become beautiful is when they take what they've heard at things like this or, or things that they've seen God at work in their lives and they take those things and they go and do something with them. That's why in Mark 6, 15, it says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. He says, listen, you, you're not going to be able to stay here and accomplish what we set out to do. You know, he's like, I'm the one with the beautiful feet who came in in the first place. I think I know something about going. I think I know something about making sure people are presented with this good news. Now it is your turn to take what I have taught you and to go and do something incredible with it, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, listen, you got to go, and you have to present the gospel in a way that people look, and they're like, yeah, I get it, and I want it. I want what you have. I need to be baptized into Christ so that I can experience the gospel in my own life. And then he says, and then teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. He's saying, listen, this is all part of the good news. This is all part of the gospel, and it all has to be shared, and it all starts with disciples of Jesus making a decision that those beautiful feet are going to get up and they're actually going to go do something. That those beautiful feet aren't going to get off work in the evening and go, go sit on their recliner and prop those ugly feet up all night and do nothing else but sit there and be comfortable in, in the life that they have. But those beautiful feet are going to go find something to do. They're going to go find a place to make sure other people encounter the gospel. Those beautiful feet aren't going to go crash in their dorm in the afternoon when there are thousands of students around the campus who don't know Jesus. Beautiful feet make decisions that go where lost people are. Beautiful feet go out into the darkness. They go out into the ugliness of the world and they show a contrast between what the world has and what the kingdom of God has. And they go to do that. They go make a difference in the world. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 says, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's saying, listen, there is plenty of harvest out there, but nobody is going. No one is going out there and making sure that that harvest is, is brought to fruition. He says, ask, ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He is talking about, he's saying, listen, I need, I need Christians, I need disciples, I need followers of Christ to make a decision that they are going to go and make sure the world has what I've designed. You know, we, you guys, there is not a single passage in this whole lesson that we talked about today that you have not heard before. You've actually probably heard this lesson in some form or another 30 times. When are you going to go? When are you going to go? And actually do something with the beautiful gospel that has been given to you. When are you going to make sure that the world is getting to experience this incredible life? Man, how awesome was this weekend? How awesome was it getting to spend time here? How awesome was it getting to hear the word of God? How awesome was it getting to worship together? How awesome is it to look down the aisle and see people next to you crying? And, and they're crying, but you're smiling because you know they're crying because how good the gospel has been to them. And how beautiful their life is now. Man, there is a lost and hurting world out there that is longing for some beautiful feet to come give them something different than what they have. Let's make sure that we are those beautiful feet. And let's make sure that the, that the message of, of Jesus and the, the beautiful gospel, the beautiful news that we've been given, spreads over this entire world. That's why we do CMU. That's why we do church the way that we do. Because we want to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. That's why we plant churches. Let's, let's, let's make sure that each and every individual, on, uh, individual in this room makes some decisions that say, listen, I'm going to allow the gospel to change my life and transform me. And I'm going to make sure I present it in a way that other people love it. And I'm going to take what I've been given and I'm going to go. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, thank you again for uh, 
this weekend, God. Thanks for uh, my smoking hot wife, and uh, <laughs> she hit me. <laughs> and uh, God, just allowing, uh, allowing us to, to live the life that we do, God. Uh, there are always ups and downs. Uh, whether you're trying to do right or not, God, you're, we're going to experience tough times. And uh, God, it's, it's a blessing to get to do that with Hannah, and it's a blessing to get to do that with my kids and my, and my family, God. It's a blessing to get to do that with the Crossings Church and all the people in this room, God, and help us to always be grateful for what we've been given, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in our lives. Help us to realize that we have been given a responsibility, God, that whenever we accepted the gospel, that that was us owning it and saying, all right, now it's my turn to make sure someone else gets to experience this. Help us to all have beautiful feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.